Last week I wasn't sure what we do on an ongoing basis, um, so I, I preached from one of the Psalms and then I enjoyed it so much that I thought this is a good thing to do for a few weeks. So um, today we're going to use Psalm 8 as our text, and if you want to, you can turn to Psalm 8 in a Bible or even the, the Pew Bible, we're going to, or I guess the chair Bible, the Bibles on the chairs, we're going to read this together. Uh, out loud again, like we did last week, and um, and here's here's the reason that I want to spend a couple weeks on the Psalms. You know, the uh, the Psalms um, are like uh, are like medicine that's applied to different times and conditions in our life. And some of the Psalms are are made to. Um, show us who Jesus is going to be and really prepare the way for him. They're called Messianic Psalms and, and they tell about the Messiah. And then other Psalms uh, are used when we are just feeling down and, and overwhelmed and we don't know what else to do like what we did last week and we just have a longing for something better. And they're made just for us to go to and and use them to cry out to God, God, will you come and rescue me? I don't know what's going on. I know you're in control, but I I don't feel like you're in control. And then other psalms are meant for uh, when we've we've sinned against somebody else, against God, and and we need a pattern for repenting. They just give us these these words of, of sorrow. That, uh, that we can express before God in, in a pattern that, that David or other psalmists have, have done. And then, and then psalms like today are just psalms of praise where we need to be reminded of, of who God is and who he's made us to be. And they sort of reset our, our focus and our attention, our lives. So, so let's... Let's read out loud together Psalm 8. Now don't look past, I'll read the, the, the note at the beginning. This is actually part of the Hebrew text, it's part of the scriptures. It says, to the choir master, according to the Getith, a psalm of David. This is a psalm that they were singing as a, as a congregation. Let's read together. O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen. And also the beasts of the field. The birds of the heavens. And the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
Father, how majestic are these words that you have given us. And now will you make the words of my mouth and the the thoughts, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, be pleasing to you, be glorifying to you as we understand better who you are and who you've made us to be. Amen. So any of you who've ever felt emotional about anything will recognize that we have a tendency to do one of two things when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel uh, like, like things are closing in around us, like we have too much to do, like, like things are out of control. And the one thing we have a tendency to do is we think too highly of ourselves. And we go back and we remind ourselves of all the things we've done before and we say, like the little engine that could, you can do it. You know, you're, you're good enough, you're smart enough, you're, you're, you get the idea. Or, or we fall into despair and we think, I can never do this. It's far bigger than what I am capable of. You know, when, when God says things like, you have made human beings to watch over the works of your hands. You've given him dominion over the sheep and the oxen and the beasts of the field, the domestic animals, but not just that, the birds of the heavens and the, and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the sea, the, the wild animals as well. I mean, we have to look at that task and we say, how can we ever do that? How can we ever take care of the things that you've called us to take care of? It was the, it was the task that, that God gave Adam in creation. He said, I can't do this. So God said, well, I'll give you a helper. And he gave him Eve. And they still looked around and they said, I still don't think I can do this. So they turned to the answer that the serpent was providing and the serpent was the devil. And the devil was telling them, you can't do this. Let me tell you how you can do it. And instead of listening to God who had said, you can do this because I made you to be able to do this, they listened to the serpent and the rest of humanity has suffered because of that. Because of that one sin, everyone else has been born into sin and it's not enough just to say that it's that one sin that was responsible for everything. It's that one sin combined with every other sin that everyone has done that now makes this task of, of having dominion, of having, taking care of God's creation an insurmountable task for us as believers. So we have this tendency to either say, well, okay, I've done all these other great things. I surely can do this. And we think too highly of ourselves. Or we look at the task and we say, woe is me. I can never do this. This psalm is meant to be a medicine for that condition. When we feel like things are too big for us or when we feel too big for certain things in our lives. And how the psalmist goes about it is he first tells us about the greatness of God. 
and then about the smallness of man, of human beings, and then restoring us to remind us that we were created in God's image for the particular task that God has set out set out for us to do. So let's begin, just kind of break this psalm into three sections, verse 1 and 2, and then 3 and 4, and then 5 to 8, and look at how God applies this medicine to us. He begins by saying, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. And we may think that this is sort of a throwaway line, like a high God that, that we don't even need to listen to. But it's not a throwaway line. In fact, he starts with saying, Oh Lord, did you know when the scriptures capitalize the word Lord in all caps like that? Did you notice that? That it's capitalized all caps, Oh Lord, and then our Lord. It's not. There's a reason for that. And whenever you see the, the Lord in all caps, it means that, that the psalmist or the scripture, the author of the scripture, actually was saying Yahweh. The name that God gave to his people. He said, it essentially means, I am. People wanted a name for him. He said, my name is too big for you. I simply am that I am. And so the psalmist says, Yahweh, our Lord, the God that we worship, this small little tribe kingdom by this time, but still a small kingdom in the middle of superpowers like Egypt and Assyria. I mean, think of this like being in Honduras with the United States on, on one side and Brazil down there, but, you know, these, these a tiny nation, and they say, oh, Yahweh, our God, how majestic is your name, not just in our little place, but in all of the earth. Psalm 19 is another psalm of praise like this one. And he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Even if the nations didn't worship Yahweh as God, they had to recognize that God was there. How majestic, how excellent, how powerful is your name in all of the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. The heavens, the massive expanse above the earth. We look up and we try to count the stars and we can't count them. In fact, there's a story about President Theodore Roosevelt. When he was president, he made friends with, um, with a man named William Beebe. William Beebe was a, a well-known naturalist. He worked at, a, at, at the Bronx Zoo, and, and he um, uh, was, was sort of the, the, the famous expert on animals and plants and even the stars. And, and he befriended Roosevelt, and Roosevelt would vacation on, um, on Long Island right outside of New York. He would have Bibi come out to his, his estate and, and, 
and they had this, this ritual. And I think they did this over over a hundred times, if I understand it correctly. They said, after an evening of talking, perhaps about the fringes of knowledge or some new possibility of climbing into the minds and senses of animals, we would, we would go out to the lawn where we took turns at an amusing little astronomical rite. This is B.B. writing. It says, we, we searched around in the skies until we found, until we found a faint heavenly spot of light mist beyond the lower left corner of the great square of, of Pegasus, the, the, the constellation. And then one or the other would say these words. That, that little spot is the spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It is as large as our Milky Way galaxy. It's one of a hundred million galaxies. It's 750,000 light years away. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. And after an interval, Colonel President Roosevelt would grin at me and say, Now I think we're small enough. Let's go to bed. I looked this up. I was curious if the figures were right. Andromeda Galaxy is indeed roughly the same size as the Milky Way Galaxy, but instead of 750,000 light years as they thought this was almost 100 years ago, it's actually 1.5 million light years away. And the current understanding is that there are 710 billion suns larger than our sun in the Andromeda galaxy. Now, let me read these words again to you. You have set your glory above these 710 billion suns and the other billions of galaxies around the universe. You have set your glory above those heavens. And yet out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength. The greatness of God uses the the, the cries and the words of infant children to build fortresses, to show his power, to demonstrate his power. How great is this God who made all of those things in the heavens to use even the smallest things to accomplish his purposes. Jesus in Matthew 
21 goes into the temple, the place where the, the Jewish leaders would gather and held and consolidated power. And he overturned the tables. So the people were changing money. He said, why have you changed this place of glory where God is to be worshipped into a cave where robbers sit? And the children who were, who were there said, Hosanna to the son of David. That was the response. Hosanna to the son of David. Jesus overturns the tables. They say, Hosanna to the son of David. And the temple leaders turn to Jesus and say, will you put up with this? That they're going to say that you are glory, that you are the king, that you are God himself. And Jesus says, have you never read Psalm 8? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. The children oftentimes around us, those who are weak and those who are suffering, are the ones who can sing out praise to God better than some of us who experience no, no troubles, no weakness. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength or you have prepared praise. What this means is you have actually built up a fortress for yourselves. How do we build a fortress? How do the mouths of infants and babies build up a fortress? It's actually by praising the name of Jesus. By lifting up his name who has rescued humanity, who God sent. It's by singing the praises of God. When we feel small is when God oftentimes uses our praises, uses our voice, uses our, our, our weak songs to actually build a, small, a strong fortress around us. To establish strength because there are enemies. Because there are foes. There are the spiritual forces of, enemy, of evil. There are also the, 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 the enemies of God who would say, why do you trust in God? And when we, when we, when even babies and infants sing God's praise, we build up a fortress that, that, that is impenetrable by by evil, evil, by enemies of God, by those who would wish to, to tear us down. Psalmist goes on to say, When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? The story of Roosevelt and, and of, uh, of William Beebe, it, it reminds us that when we look up at the heaven, we are reminded of just how small we are.
when we are tempted to feel more significant than we are. The President of the United States, the most popular scientist probably in all of the nation at the time, would go out and they would look up at the stars, just as David did, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, and they would do it as medicine. William Beebe and T.R. Roosevelt, T.R., Teddy Roosevelt. And David did the same thing as medicine to say, when you think that you are more than what you really are, just look up and you remember that we are but a, a speck when it comes to all of God's creation, a speck on the, on the head of a pin, you know, a speck of a speck. And yet, here's what Jesus says. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for? Excuse me, it's the psalmist. David says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you are mindful of him? God is has made us small in relation to all of his creation to remind us that really, compared to his power, we are nothing. And yet, in God's economy, as he's chosen to make us, he's actually made us in a way that he cares for us, in a way that he doesn't care for any of the rest of the creation. He knows us personally. He enters into relationship with us. It says you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. The author of Hebrews brings this psalm up. Hebrews 2. He says, now it wasn't to angels that God subjected the world to come. It wasn't to angels that God put the caring for all the earth in their control. Of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. Somewhere. This is their reference way of of putting a reference in. Somewhere is Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while or a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. The big question you should be asking when you read that is, is he talking about all of humanity or is he talking about Jesus? Right? Which one is he talking about? You put all these things under subjection, under his control. You made him for a little while lower than the angels. And the answer is, the answer is both. He's talking about all of humanity. That God made humanity with a special purpose. In fact, this doesn't just say a little lower than the angels. 
It says a little lower, they translate in Psalm 8, than the heavenly beings. And it can even be translated, you made him a little lower than God himself. God actually made human beings to be essentially one step below him, very distinct from him. He's still the maker of all those suns and stars, but humans are the next best thing. The next greatest thing, because they, they can interact between the physical and the spiritual world. They, they, are, um, they are capable of, of reason, of, of knowledge, of actually being in relationship with God and capable of taking care of other things. None of the animals take care of the other animals. They may take care of their own young, but they don't take care of other animals. but humans have been made with a special purpose. And the problem is that we failed in that purpose from Adam and Eve on through the centuries. We still fail in this purpose. I mean, the call is still for us to care for and attend to God's creation. It's a much bigger question of how do we do that and how that works out. And it gets locked up in politics oftentimes, but we are called to care for the creation around us. The, the things that have been entrusted to us, maybe for some of us, that's children who have been entrusted to us. Some, for some of us, that's um, somebody who can't care for themselves for one reason or another. A handy, somebody with a handicap, somebody who is, is not able to work, somebody who has grown old. For some of us, this is caring for certain pieces of property that God has entrusted to us, and we actually tend to it and take care of it, uh, maybe a house or an apartment or some, something like that. For some of us, it's just being in relationship with other people and watching out for um, maybe an animal that's been entrusted to us or maybe a farmer has his farm and he takes care of that or even the, the naturalists like William Beebe who have been given a, an area of, of wildlife or wilderness to, to take care of. All of these things have been given to us in certain proportions. We get into problems oftentimes when we try to take control of things that God hasn't given us control over, but we also get into problems when we don't exercise care, dominion over the things that God has actually entrusted to us. Let me ask you, in your life, where are the things that God has given you to take care of? Are you taking care of them? Where are the things that God has not given you to take care of that you're trying to exercise control over? Because if you're doing the first thing, you're you're experiencing a lack of satisfaction. You see something that you need to be doing, but you're not doing it. If you're doing the second, trying to take dominion over things that God hasn't given you dominion over, you're experiencing frustration and anger. Because you constantly experience that you can't do it yourself. But in either, in both of these cases, this psalm wants to draw us back to this one point. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Now, in the original Hebrew, when we say man and the son of man, it was just a poetic expression. It's just another way of saying, what is human? What is male and female? What is, what, what is one man and another man? What is a father and his son? It was a way of saying, 
What is humanity that you are mindful of him, that you care for him? But when Jesus came, he took on a title that God had given in the book of Daniel. The title was the Son of Man, which referred to the the promised Messiah, the one who was going to come and was going to do the things rightly that all of humanity was supposed to have done. So the author of Hebrews takes this phrase and he says, the Son of Man is Jesus. You were supposed to take care of all these things, but Jesus is the one who's actually taking care of Better yet, better than that, all the things that you messed up, he's replanting. He's rebuilding. He's regrowing. He's restoring the relationships and the, the people that you were called to take care of. All of these places in our life where, we, where we're feeling bigger than we should, trying to do more than we've been called to do, or we're feeling smaller than we should, not taking on the responsibility that we've been called to. Jesus said, I'm taking care of those things for you. I'm the one who is the true human, the, the, the one who is the second Adam and Eve. They were created to take care of all this stuff. They failed. Everybody else has suffered because of it. But I am going to be the second Adam who's going to take care of all of these things in creation. And, and here's the beauty of it. We're not too big. We're not too small. Jesus actually elevates us back to this grand position along with him. And he says, you are the human beings that God has made you to be because I've given you my righteousness. I've given you my obedience. I've given you all the things that I've done. I've put them in you and now God sees you. He looks at you and he says, you are an amazing farmer. You are an amazing tender of the things I've given you. And he takes all of those things that we've done and not done. He says, I'm going to take those away from you. I have taken those away from you. So that now when you look up in the sky and you see those billions, hundreds of billions, billions of billions of stars in the universe, you realize that I made you just a little below myself. In fact, I have seated Jesus in the heavens above those things and you are seated with Jesus in the same place. And I want to use you for my purposes. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Not just in our little room here, not just in our homes or in our neighborhoods, but in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, Yahweh, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father, would you, uh, would you 
use this psalm today and in other times in our life, when we feel big and when we feel small, to remind us of where you have put us in your creation. You have called us your sons and daughters. You have made us to take care of your creation. And that we will, for all of eternity, continue to tend, not just to this earth, but the heavens and the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.